actually, as Justin was praying, something came to mind that I didn't forget about, but didn't connect it to this time period, which is February 14th. Um, 2021, in case you weren't aware. Um, I, uh, this week I was thinking like, gosh, it's been one year since I preached at Cornerstone. And uh, I was looking on my desk. I have this awesome piece of art that Annie Martin made for me on the bulletin of my last service that I preached here. And I keep that on my desk because it's a really significant, just spiritual meaning to me. And, um, and I was looking at it and it said it was January 12th, I think, 20, 2020. And I was like, man, it's been more than a year. It's been like 13 months. And those 13 months have gone by so fast. And then I, this morning I was thinking, those 13 months have gone by so fast. And I was thinking, like, how quickly our timeline can move. And it scared me a little bit because I was like, a lot can happen in a year. And we can just miss it. Like, we can just keep going on in life and miss Jesus, and miss the things that we're supposed to see, and hear, and engage, and be involved in. And I don't think that's what the past year has been for me, but I realized how quickly it went by, and thought, I don't want to miss Jesus. I don't just want to keep going on in my chronological timeline and miss Jesus. So that's one thought. So I encourage you today, just even as we're here together, to hear him speaking, and to take it all in, and what he has for us together, because we don't want to miss Jesus in our timeline. We don't want to look back and go, oh, where did that go? We want to live in it and experience it and, and have what he has for us. The second thing is, and I won't get into this, and I just thought of this as, Jesus, as Justin was praying, that the uh, February 10th to February 14th is really significant for me because a number of years ago, um, God woke me up um, in, in the middle of the night with a dream. And anyway, this dream had to do with this time the middle of February in my life and how significant this time is. And just hit me this morning as Justin was praying about it's really significant that I'm here bringing the word with my church family again today. And if you want to hear that story sometime, it's, it's awesome. And it goes back 21 years to what God has been doing the middle of February throughout my life. And so what a cool time to be preaching again at Cornerstone today. So I feel like the time is, is significant this morning. Um, let's pray. God, thanks for today. Thanks for your presence among us, Lord, and, and let your word come alive in us, in our minds, in our hearts, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. So this morning, I'm going to wear two hats. Uh, the one hat is, is that up here as an employee of Jubilee. So I'm going to talk about Jubilee um, and uh, the ministry that's happening at Jubilee. But secondly, the other hat that I'm going to be wearing is as a member of this body. Um, and um, as a member of this body, I'm invested in what it looks like for us to walk out the gospel together. And so as I preach, you're going to hear tie-ins to the ministry work that Jubilee does and my engagement in that. Um, but the bigger picture is, is that Jesus is alive and moving in our life individually and corporately and in ways and, and we, we, uh, ways that we love and, and we want to engage that together, but in some ways that, that we don't love, too. Jesus works in and among us, and so we'll, we'll talk about that a bit as well. Um, before we get into the Word, I just wanted to give a little bit of context about Jubilee Ministries. I know a lot of you know Jubilee or are familiar with Jubilee. Some of you have a, a great knowledge of Jubilee. Some of you have like, yeah, I kind of know a little bit about Jubilee, and some of you are like, yeah, I don't know. So I just wanted to give a quick just overview of Jubilee Ministries. So Jubilee has seven... Um, thrift stores. 
uh, brick-and-mortar thrift stores that go from Palmyra to Mannheim and to Wernersville and points in between. Um, and then additionally, there's one online store that uh, uh, Jubilee has. Uh, the Wernersville physical store is our newest location. It opened up last month. And, uh, and of course, a lot of you are familiar with the Lebanon thrift store on 12th Street where our main offices are and where a lot of the ministry programming happens there. And those stores exist to provide financial resources so that we can fulfill our mission. Justin, did you take the clicker with you? No. Nope, here it is. He didn't. And so Jubilee's mission statement is we exist to serve those affected by incarceration by being ambassadors of life change through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so those stores exist to fulfill that mission by providing resources towards that end. And so if you donate something at one of the Jubilee boxes or come by the dock at one of the stores and give your old clothing or a, a furniture item, that ultimately serves to minister the gospel to people affected by incarceration. That's why the stores exist. They're not just there to have a business to run. Um, they're part of the ministry. And so in short, Jubilee is, is a prison ministry, and that prison ministry happens on two fronts. Um, the first is that in eight prisons throughout the state of Pennsylvania, Jubilee has a total of 10 chaplains, uh, male and female chaplains, that serve the inmates and the, the staff of those prisons. Um, our chaplains teach Bible studies, they lead worship services, they do counseling and discipleship with the inmates and with the correctional officers. Um, they minister and share Jesus' love behind bars. Um, that aspect of Jubilee's ministry, the chaplain ministry in the prisons, has been severely impacted by COVID because a lot of the prisons don't allow really any, anybody from the outside into, um, into the prisons. And so our chaplains have been grieving, and we've been grieving for our chaplains because chaplains are, are unique people, and they're so passionate about the ministry that they have with those that are behind bars. And, um, and we have a, a wonderful prison, uh, women's prison ministry team at Jubilee that has also been kept from going in. And so that is just so hard for people with that kind of heart for doing that type of face-to-face, one-on-one, and group ministry to the least of these. Um, and so that's, that's been hard. Um, at the same time, we've seen some beautiful specks of light that have shown through that. And, you know, I don't think Joy Courtright's here, but Joy had been a chaplain until recently in the Schoolkill County Prison through Jubilee. And um, Joy has a story that she had shared, or she had the opportunity to go back in in the fall, and she can share more of this if you see her ask her about it. But just the, the an outside presence into the, pres- into the prison for the women of somebody who loved Jesus and just how the women flocked to her. They were so hungry for connection and for the word. And so we anticipate that as the prisons open up more, there's just a hunger that is just going to flow in that ministry, um, both for Jubilee chaplain, chaplains, for our women's prison ministry team and the work that they're doing. Um, so, um, so some challenges there, but also some, some glimmers of hope and some light in that as well. But check in with Joy on that, and she can share a little bit more about her experience going back in for, for a short period of time. And then secondly, our aftercare program serves those coming out of prison. Um, just now, it's, it's for men only. Our aftercare prison is for men, but we are looking at bringing the women's program back. Uh, we don't know what the timeline is going to be for that, but hopefully in the not-too-distant future, where we'll be serving both men and women who are coming out of prison, helping them transition by living in community, by getting intensive, you know, uh, a shepherding through the Jubilee program to be able to transition back into the communities and to be with their families. Um, the men live in our aftercare house, which is adjacent to the store on 12th Street. 
Um, they work in the store. They take classes on addiction and recovery, on budgeting. They attend Bible studies. They attend a local church. Um, they've learned healthy relationships. They have a life coach who walks beside them in their journey with Jesus through this whole time. And then as they journey towards um, graduation, they transition back to the life that, that hopefully the life that God has called them to. Um, Cornerstone has had significant interaction with this particular program because of Terry Blessing. And uh, you, many of you know Terry, who was a part of our congregation for a year. And uh, he loved us. We loved him. Terry tragically passed away from cancer October um, a year plus ago uh, in 2019. Um, if you hadn't had a chance, the opportunity to see the video on Terry's life, that was filmed. Actually, a lot of it was filmed here in Cornerstone, and so it has definitely a Cornerstone fingerprint on it. Um, that's on our webpage, our homepage, so you can go to that and watch that 12-minute video, and you should do that. So lots of connection here with staff and um, students from Jubilee in a way that's impacted our congregation, and we've been able to impact Jubilee as well. Um, The stores alone do not provide all the resources that Jubilee needs to do their ministry. So a lot of our other resources, um, financial resources, uh, relationships, volunteers, prayer partners come through uh, relationships with individuals and with churches. And that's essentially what my job is. I build those relationships and those connections in the community, tell Jubilee's story, and connect people to the work that God is doing, um, the work that's reflective in, in our mission behind me. So... That's a summary. If you have any more questions about Jubilee, you know you can always talk to me, and uh, you can read. You know we've got all Jubilee stuff hanging out there on the wall uh, in the lobby as well. So, um, but turning to the Word, um, the Lord has such a huge heart for those on the margins, a huge heart, including those in prison. And it doesn't take long as you're reading through the Word to to see that, to hear that, to experience that, to feel His heart. Um, so that's where I want to go this morning, and I want to do that in the book of Leviticus. And I know some of you already fell asleep by the time I got to in Leviticus. So you know Justin plays these Bible project videos, and they do these summaries of different books of the Bible. And the one on Leviticus, the audio introduction to that book, like the first thing, it says, the book of Leviticus. We know you've been avoiding it because it's weird right? And that's, that's what they say, you know? And it's true. It's true. Stay with me. The Word of God is so full and so connected, and like the Leviticus just isn't there to bore us. Like there's life and awesomeness that connects with the rest and the full counsel of Scripture, and that's what we're going to look at today. So we're going to start in Leviticus. We're going to end up in the book of Luke on this little journey uh, through the fullness of his Word and its relevance to your life and to my life and to the life of our, our body and our ministry here um, at Cornerstone. So to prep us for this journey into Leviticus, I just want to show you a picture of Jubilee's logo. So that is Jubilee's logo. It's seen on our stores, trucks. If you get our uh, mailings, it's on the mailings. Time when people were permitted to return to the land of their ancestors. And this would include those who were, her poor, those who were poor, who had to sell themselves um, into some service to others. You know, they were poor, they didn't have money, they served them, sold themselves as a slave, and they worked. Sometimes they would get stuck in that cycle, but when the Jubilee would come, they, could just, they were free to go back to where they were from to live with the people that they were intended to live with. It was a time of great grace, a time of restoration, 
a time of fresh starts. This year of Jubilee was kicked off by blowing the ram's horn, which um, is what the passage says. So a lot of churches don't know what this is. You guys do because we blow it here sometimes, right? So this is the, a ram's horn. This is Jubilee's ram's horn. I stole it. It's been in my office. At, right, this is Cornerstone's ram's horn. I stole it. It's been in my office at Jubilee for a long time now. So sorry, Justin, if you've been looking for it. Um, this is the ram's horn. So they would blow this to announce the year of Jubilee, the initiation of the year of Jubilee. And this is, as you've already figured out, Jubilee's logo. Okay? It is a ram's horn. Of course, that's a more modern artistic rendering of what this actually is. But that is the ram's horn. In Isaiah chapter 61, we see this continuing idea of this year of Jubilee. It's not just left to gather dust in the book of Leviticus. As we move through scripture and get into the prophets, Isaiah says this, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And you can see this, this year of the Lord's favor that Isaiah references is the year of Jubilee. It's, it's a reference to the year of Jubilee in Leviticus chapter 25. And more so than that, there's this, this uh, unpacking of who benefits in this year of Jubilee. And it talks about the least of these, those pushed to the margins, the brokenhearted, the poor, those that don't have the ability to typically return to where they're from to be with the people that they're supposed to be with. When a lot of us want to go on vacation, it makes the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. This is Jesus speaking. I got chills right now. And then he says this. It says, he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. Like you can feel the drama of it. Like everybody, he rolls it up. There's this moment. You know, all you hear is the rolling up of the scroll. He sets it. He walks over, right? He sits down and everyone's looking at him. And he began by saying to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. I mean, how awesome is that? We started in Leviticus 25 with this awesome thing that's celebrated every 50 years. What a time of grace and redemption and fresh starts and renewal. That's amazing. And now Jesus says, you don't have to wait 50 years. You don't have to wait 25 years. You don't have to wait one year. You don't have to wait another second. Freedom is now here in me. Blow the ram's horn, right? He didn't say that. But blow the ram's horn, right? The freedom is here and now in Christ. And it's just like his grace gets even bigger. It's just huge. It's so awesome. And it's for those who need it. And it's for those who need it. He says, I am here to provide a way home for those who think there is no way home. 
Um, every Friday morning, I teach a Bible study with the men at Jubilee, and it's the same Bible study that I taught here at Cornerstone on Tuesdays, and some of you were a part of that. Um, and some of you continued to be a part of that when I switched over my, at my job to Jubilee and would come and be a part of that Bible study, and then COVID hit, and well, we all know what happened there. But I teach that same Bible study to the men, and I start off every, um, every Friday morning with a question just to kind of get them awake and talking and thinking. And sometimes it's like, do you like the toilet paper over the top or coming down the bottom on your toilet paper roll? You know, just something funny, you know, we laugh about it and get into philosophical discussions on toilet paper, uh, which we do. And you would too if I asked you that question. And people would get mad at other people because some of you think it should be over the top and some of you that have cats think it should be over the back because the cats will bat it down. I've learned all these things by asking that question to people. It's amazing, right, what you learn about people. But one day I asked them a question. I said, um, what is a dream that you have for your life? And at least half of them said, I want to be back home with my family. I want to see my kids. I want to make memories. And it's that idea, that yearning to have the opportunity to be back home on the land that they're supposed to be, living with the people that they're supposed to be with. It's like, it's a thing in our hearts, right? We want to be home. We want to be home. And this is precisely what, what Leviticus talks about with the year of Jubilee. But there's a lot of hurdles there. There's a, there's a ton of hurdles that get in the way. And at Jubilee, our desire is to see the men and women that we serve in the prison and aftercare living where they're supposed to live, which is in the kingdom. Which is, in a, it turns out that Jesus is the year of Jubilee. Jesus is the Jubilee. Life change happens in that. Freedom happens in that. So in light of this, two things. You and I, we are not home yet. That's a possibility. We're not home yet. And we are willfully choosing to not be where we're supposed to be with those that we're supposed to be with. Maybe that's because um, we can't we're struggling with forgiveness because we've been hurt and there's pain or there's bitterness or whatever. There's circumstances that don't allow us. There's division with our physical family, our spiritual family, um, whatever the case may be. Or, or God has told us to be somewhere else, a physical place. And we're just like, no, I don't want to do that. That scares me. I don't want to go there because of X, Y, and Z. And so we live in this place of tension because we're not living in the jubilee of Jesus. So that's certainly a reality for, and we, we all to some degree move in and out of that place where we're not where we're supposed to be. We're, we're not home. But, but the time is now. Jesus said, today, this has been fulfilled through me. So it's done. Like today is the day. The time is now. Jesus and your community are waiting to show you the way home, to be where you're supposed to be with the people that you're supposed to be with. Secondly, you are home. You feel like you've come to that place, not perfectly, but you've come to this place of home with Jesus. You've experienced his freedom in your life. You're, you're living the calling where he's asked you to live your calling with the people that you're supposed to be living it with. If so, we're compelled by the truth of scripture to lead the poor, the brokenhearted, the captives and prisoners home, to be where they are to be with those that they are to be with. So you can do that. You know, some of us were like, I don't know how to do that. How do you, how do you even initiate that? 
Um, maybe that's my neighbor. Okay, oh, I'm so uncomfortable. I don't know how to do that with my neighbor. Um, well, if he's asking you to do it with your neighbor, do it with your neighbor. There's also these other places and people that you can do it with that are, that are waiting for you to come to do it alongside of them, like Jubilee. Come, come to Jubilee and, and be part of our prayer team. Uh, there's other ways you can volunteer at Jubilee as well. Um, helping in the stores, which ultimately help with our, our, our programs. Um, we can't go into the prison now, but those opportunities will come again. But there's places like you to do that. Align Life, Vicki spoke a couple weeks ago about her uh, post-abortion ministry and how Align Life ministers to men and women broken in this place that are far from home. And Align Life leads them home. Talk to Vicki about that. Talk to Cindy about that. This is a place that they're doing the same thing, essentially, with a different group of people that what Jubilee is doing it with. Get to that place where you're walking with somebody to get that home. We are called to do that. True Life. We have st- people from Cornerstone on the staff at True Life. These kids in the midst of COVID, the stories that I hear are, are tragic. These kids don't even know how to relate to one another anymore because they've been so separated. They're, they're, they're fearful of one another for no reason other than they just haven't been in practice of relationship. It's tragic. They need people to lead them to Jesus and back into community with one another. They need to be home in Christ. So it's that simple. Two options. Where are you? Are you home? Have you responded to the Jubilee? And if you have, how do you lead others to the Jubilee in Christ? I want to close um, by reading Hebrews chapter 4. So um, our Vision Sunday series this year ended with this conclusion that the theme for Jubilee for, the, or for Cornerstone is, is rest is rest. And so Hebrews 4, which I don't, I will not put up on the screen, is about rest. In fact, I'm going to start back in chapter 3, verse 16, and I'm going to read through chapter 4. It's a short chapter. It says this, and who, who was it who rebelled against God, even though they heard his voice? Wasn't it the people Moses led out of Egypt? And who made God angry for 40 years? Wasn't it the people who sinned, whose corpses lay in the wilderness? And to whom was God speaking when he took an oath that they would never enter his rest? Wasn't it the people who disobeyed him? So we see that because of their unbelief, they were not able to enter his rest. God's promise of entering his rest still stands. So we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. For this good news that God has prepared this rest has been announced to us just as it was to them. But it did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. For only we who believe can enter his rest. As for the others, God said, in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. Even though this rest has been ready since he made the world. We know it is ready because of the place in the scriptures where it mentions the seventh day. On the seventh day, God rested from all his work. But in the other passage, God said, they will never enter my place of rest. So God's rest is there for people to enter. But those who first heard this good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. So God set another time for entering his rest. And that time is today. 
God announced this through David much later in the words already quoted. Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Now, if Joshua has succeeded in giving them this rest, God would not have spoken about another day of rest still to come. So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors just as God did after creating the world. So let us do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God as the people of Israel did, we will fall. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. This place of rest is, is home with Jesus. It's that place that he's calling us to, that he began speaking of in Leviticus. But he's always called us that. I mean, it goes back to the Garden of Eden. There was a place of rest called home that was the Garden of Eden. And you know what? They disobeyed. They didn't listen. And so it became not home. And then the promised land was supposed to be home. It was supposed to be a place of returning, of coming back. And they kind of sort of did, but they kind of didn't listen and obey either. And it became not a place of rest. It became not a place of home. It became a place of war and division and sometimes peace, but a lot of times not. And then he fulfills the jubilee and he says, now come home. Like it's still here. The time is now. So there's all of these times through scripture that he keeps coming back over and over again saying, come home. And he does it through Jesus. This passage in Hebrews, he uses the word enter over and over again. It's like there's actually this place, this experience that we enter into that is Christ. Enter in, enter in, enter in, enter in. It says it over and over again. But you can't enter in if you disbelieve and you don't obey. And that's what the people have always struggled with. That's what we have always struggled with. That's what God's people have always struggled with. And in verse 6, it says, the good news is this, that we can rest with him, that this place has always existed and it still exists today. So listen to God and go home to where he's calling you to be with the people that he's calling you to be with. And then he says in verse 7, that time is today which echoes back to Luke 4, when Jesus says, today this has been fulfilled in your hearing. Like there's always that present now moment with Jesus that no matter what was up to now, today is the time. Now the present is the time. Furthermore, in verse 14, um, Jesus, uh, they make it clear that Jesus has entered into this place. Like Jesus has gone before us. He's entered into this place of, spiritual connection with the Father in heaven. And then in verse 16, we're invited into that throne room. We're invited again into that same wonderful place. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy. How do we do that, Matt? That sounds all great and good, but life is life, right? Well, the passage gives us that, and it says through the word. 
it gives us, it kind of, it's gone along about entering in this place. And all of a sudden it talks about the word being powerful. And, you know, and we quote that section of that passage all the time. You know, it's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's alive. You know, the word is alive. And, and that's it. The word of God gets us into that place. That's where we see Jesus. That's where we live him. He is the word. Scripture says he is the word. So we engage the word. We read the word. We share the word. We live the word. If we don't do that, we're never going to go home to Jesus. Like we, we can't, we won't understand it. It won't make sense to us because the world will be what we understand. And we lead other people home through the word. This passage says the word is alive and powerful. It's living and it's active. The word is the entry point to home with Jesus. Home is, is a physical place. This place that the Jubilee through Christ we're called to, this place that we're to go where we're to be with the people that we're supposed to be with, it, it is a physical place. So we have to ask ourselves that question. Am I physically placed where God is calling me to be? If I'm there, I'm unsettled. Or if I'm not there, I'm, I'm unsettled. You're unsettled. Um, in Scripture, that was the Garden of Eden. That was the Promised Land. For me and my family, it's the city of Lebanon. Like, if God called us to the city of Lebanon and we never went, our life would be in more turmoil today than it already is, you know? Because we're not where we're supposed to. And you know that. You hear us talk about the city all the time. Like, it's our place. It's a place where God has called us to be. Home is relational. It is a relational place. Are you living with those and are you reconciled to those that you are intended to live and be reconciled with? Those are hard places. The word is the entryway to that place of home. Home is also a place of the heart. And don't think of your little framed cross-stitch thing hanging on the wall of the cabin, okay? You can, but that's not really what I'm talking about. Thank you, Steve. Um, we are... It's a spiritual place. That's the place with Jesus. Are we dwelling with Christ? Are we in that relationship with Christ in that place that we are supposed to be? Home is physical. Home is relational. Home is spiritual. Are we home? And are we leading others home? If we're not, life is rough. Life is rough. And we want to live in the fullness of the Jubilee. Team, you can come up um, while um, I close in prayer. Jesus, thank you that you continue to give us a road home. Like you did not stop in Genesis when your people disobeyed and um, did not believe. You did not stop in returning from captivity in Babylon. Jesus, you did not stop when your church was broken and torn apart in the New Testament, and you have not stopped today in the world in which we live. Like, you continue to call us home, and all the other places that we want to go, that we think are home, that we find over and over again are not, Lord, would you take our eyes away from those and bring us back to you? Show us the place, show us the people, and show us you, God, where it needs to be home. And beyond that, Lord, show us our calling to lead others to that place as well and give us boldness and courage in it, Lord. We pray this in your name. Amen.